Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right, good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So this evening as I'm recording this, I am actually, I get excited actually all the time, but I'm a little more excited because I'm bringing somebody new on the show. This gentleman, we actually go way back. So there's a blast from my old corporate days past. This gentleman (laughs) has a very large bio. He's got got multiple bios because he's done so much. I mean, you're going to learn about this guy today. He's been on television. He's been on like literally like major shows like Rachel Ray. Um, the guy's gone through so much in his life. He's got such a hell of a story to share. He's an author, which I'm trying to figure that out on my end as far as me becoming an author, which I'm working on that right now. We'll talk about that too. But I mean, he's been on NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox. Like he's been around the block, dude. Like Good Day Philadelphia. I, I hinted Rachel Ray. He's got so much going on and he's also been through so much. He and I go way back to when we used to coach together in the business world. Uh, we'll talk about that too. Um, but anyway, he's got an exciting Kickstarter going on right now, and we're going to dig into that especially today because it's titled Dear Billy, Salvation in the Poconos. It's about his book. So without further ado, welcome our newest guest co-host to help run the show today, Ben Miller. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Scott. So dude, when was the last time you and I physically actually had a conversation? I don't, it was a T-Mobile? That's got to be T-Mobile, probably. That's yeah. Oh my gosh, fifteen years ago. How did that happen? Like we've we've social mediated. Uh, is, yeah. is, is that a way to say it? Social mediated. I mean, yeah, like we, a verb. <laughs> yeah, it works. It yeah. works. Yeah, we're, we use the power. And actually, I tell you all the time, right? Social media can be used in the power of good. Like I'm, I know so many people besides you that it would be physically impossible to just call every single person all the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. So he has gotten to be that that stigma of, of all the political and the anger and the divisiveness, but there's there's so much more. Look at look at all the connections that you can maintain without, as you said, calling everybody. Yeah. Well, like, and before we fire this up, you and I were talking about how I, I, I've you know I've gone I've been around the block. I've gotten out there. I've been in a lot of different circles. So there's the other piece of it too. Is I always promote on this show the power of the psychology, the healthy psychology benefits of getting out there and connecting with people. And, yeah. and, and mankind is meant to interact with each other, uh, whether it be, you know, visually, verbally, you know, auditory, uh, video through recording. That's why we do audio and video with this show. There's so many ways to connect with people, but at least get out there and connect. And I think that's one of the strengths you bring to the table, which is why I'm excited to bring you on the show today because of your commitment to being an author, right? Thank so. You. Let's help our listeners kind of learn a little more about you because like you've, you're a multi-author. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So what's the, what's the timeline on that? How far long ago did you start the author? Cause I, I, I know that I just can't remember the dates. Well, I, I had always wanted to write, but my dad, my dad was a very practical man. He was an English teacher and he's the one who kind of helped me with my, my writing. The first thing I had published was back in 1991 when I was still in, in high school, but wow. So, yeah, with the, the practicality part of it, he said, you know, you're not going to make money doing that. You have to get a job. And and then we did, I, I decided to go in the service and I, I went in. I had a completely different life path originally planned. I was going to work in military intelligence, do my 20 years in the Navy, get out, work for one of the, the federal contractors, NSA, CAA, one of those. 
because well sounds like a good game plan well frankly they pay a lot of money and when you're young you don't really know much about the world and you you think you have everything figured out but you don't i said i'm gonna make money i'm gonna do all these cool things and have all this great this just awesome life i had no idea that the awesome life for me was was more simple a wife kids happiness peace so anyway, back then, that's that's what I wanted to do. And I sort of pushed writing aside and things went south in the military. As it turns out, um, my job, I, I worked in naval intelligence. I, I was a cryptology technician, technical, super redundant title, but that's what it was. And uh, during the Bosnian War, my job was to uh, observe and uh, document some terrible things that I saw. Yeah. And to to create some some targeting profiles that were used from uh, sources in NATO regarding bombers, and I learned really quick that I don't have the personality to be able to handle something like that. Uh, you know, we're all supposed to, as men, right, be these tough, rugged guys and just brush things off our shoulders, and it doesn't matter. And I'm not that guy, and. I was embarrassed and I was ashamed to admit that for a lot of years, but I'm not anymore. I am who I am and I'm not a guy who could handle that. And I couldn't, I broke. Actually, I got to pause in this, man. You're, you're, Cause as you're saying this, like the hair on my arm is standing up and I got goosebumps. Now, granted, it's literally like 90 plus degrees today. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I turned the AC down before here. So I just know it's not my air conditioning. It's, you connecting with me and I, and I want the audience to get this too, because I've brought this up a lot on this show of my own battle to become more vulnerable, right? You're, yeah. you, know, you just said here as men, we, we think, or we thought we were supposed to be doing that, right? We're not supposed to show what some people see vulnerability as weakness when in reality, thanks to a lot of life lessons and meeting my fiance, um, that's been casually mentioned on a few episodes who also broke up with me <laughs> oh. during our dating process. I had to win her back. Part of that is getting vulnerable, having the strength to let the walls come down and be more approachable so you can connect at a much deeper level. And I, I was never able to talk about this. So it's I can thank this podcast for helping me get there. But I, that's why I had to pause on that because – it, you, you just connected with me instantaneously. <laughs> All right. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because that vulnerability, it's, it's a huge thing. And I never, I never expected it. I never planned for it. And I never originally wanted it. I just wanted to, my dad was tough as nails. He was a teacher, but he worked two other jobs after school. And I rarely saw him as a kid because he was working. I mean, that man worked from from early in life, he was very young when he started working. He was born in 1938, and that was just a culture. And he passed away in 2004, excuse me, the beginning of 2004, very suddenly. But even up until the point he retired as a teacher after 38 years, and I think he spent, I want to say, three or four days not doing anything before he said, I can't handle this. <laughs> You're all over. Dude, that, so I that's just, my I, that's my dad, dude. Like he still runs his business. He, he he to be honest, he doesn't even have a retirement plan. But it's <laughs> I don't think he even if he did, there's no way. Like he, he to this day still gets up at I don't even know, something ridiculous, like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that was my dad too. My mom still gets up with him, makes breakfast, they sit down, and then she goes back to bed because it's 
five o'clock in the morning and then he's out driving his truck. <laughs> and it's like, that's pretty awesome though. That she gets up with him and they have that connection. That's, yeah. that is what life's about. And that's an awesome lesson for you as a son to see. And the best lessons in life aren't the ones that people can sit and tell us. It, it's the ones that we experience and we see like from my dad, I, I did get that sense of work ethic and, and, um, the long story short with my military services, I started having panic attacks. Yeah, I did TSD. Yeah. It was, it was during the, um, during the Bosnian war. And I, and then excuse me, the mid nineties, the Bosnian war, people didn't talk about panic attacks or anxiety issues or any of that back then. And as a guy, you certainly didn't admit to that. I, I saw several doctors. I went to our flight medics. Nobody could diagnose me. They gave me an early honorable discharge and they sent me home and basically said, good luck. It wasn't for, I want to say four more years, three to four more years before I was formally diagnosed. I just, um, as they say, self-medicated. I, you can see I'm a bit bigger. You know, I, I doubled my weight and I drank and ate. And um, oh, I remember when you and I used to work together, man. You like you showed me your before photo when you were in the military, yeah. and I was like, really? I was like, I, I, again, you don't until like something like yourself comes forth and teach us teaches us like what you're going through. People don't know. Like to this day, people still think that PTSD isn't real. I'm like, are you are you are you serious right now? Really? I mean, we haven't people had enough no evidence. Idea. I mean, there should we should not be losing honorable former military professionals to suicide. But unfortunately, it's still a major major issue. It really is. I've lost um, more than a few friends to suicide, and we were talking about one before the show. A friend that we actually worked with, and. Yeah, out of respect for his family, I won't bring up his name, but he wasn't former military, but he was a person that didn't feel like he could reach out. And I, I had friends in the service who, who were the same way. Uh, one, of my, one of my good childhood friends ended up taking his own life in his parents' basement. People today don't exactly know why. Hey, I, There's things that he experienced. He never shared. He left no note and he didn't tell anyone, but it's, I almost took my own life. We talked about that October October 26, 2003, I was at the bottom of the barrel. I, it's such a cliche, bottom of the barrel, but I, I was down. I was down. Well, and you, I, you went through a career transition, your father. Yeah. I mean, those are just two variables alone without anything else going on or what you already had going on. Those are two huge life changes. It was in a, I, I was in a terrible place. And um, by the grace of God, I, I had that pistol in my mouth. Scott, I loaded the whole thing. I don't even, somebody asked me that about a year ago when I was telling them the story and I've, I've rarely told the story, but you know, I, I put it in the new book and I'm getting it out there because I feel like the more you tell things like this, it takes the stigma away somewhat in your own mind, because there's a lot of shame that I still feel forgetting at that point. Yeah. Same point there. I know there's so many others out there who that are there and I need people to know that when you're by yourself and you're in that place where you feel that you are so far down that you can never possibly get up, that hope is just behind a cloud that will never pass. It, you have to, you have to just stick it out a little bit longer. I, I could never foresee in the life I had now. I, I loaded that pistol and the question that was asked, why did you load the whole thing? It was a 15 round clip. I don't know. Because rationally the same well, also, you're military trained. I mean, you guys trained to take guns apart, put them back together, fully load them up. I mean, it was probably just never, subconscious. Never even considered that. Right? I'd be a big part of it. I was, I had been drinking, which was pretty much all the time. 
And uh, yeah, I, I loaded it and I put it in my mouth and I just, um, I cried. I cried and I apologized to God over and over and over. And I honestly, my last, the last thing I remember was just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And thinking about my family. And then I woke up past, I passed out at, at some point I passed out. The gun was laying there and I was laying there and I didn't, it was a very weird, I woke up and for a very brief period of time, this is what I won't ever forget that I thought, am I dead? Did I do it? Mm-hmm. What, what the hell did I do? What did I do? Yeah. That was, that was the moment I knew that I could never have another drink again. Once I realized that I, I was alive, that as I said, I still don't know exactly how, I mean, think of it. It was in my mouth. My finger was on the trigger. I could feel it scraped against my bottom teeth. The metal taste I can taste as I'm talking to you. Wow. What are the odds that that goes down onto, you know, it goes down without fighting and my finger goes off and I pass and I'm alive. It makes no sense. It's, it and here I am. You know, it, I haven't talked about this much on the show, but um, what you're t- explaining right now, all you needed was a, a twitch, uh, uh, an accident, an accidental movement, and it could have been all over, right? Um, yeah. I, I speak to that only because you and I, before we started the show, we're kind of joking around about my crazy, you know, to your hotshot adventure. And one of the kids that I, I call them kids. Cause I was, they called me the old guy. Cause I was 31, 32 when I did it. And Oh my God, I'm 43. Scott. Well, I'm, I, hey, I'm, I'm, I'll be 41. And if in next month, so you're not a really, yeah. Well, I feel even worse. Cause you look about 10 years younger than that it's lifestyle brother. Like, and, and, the I, other and I have, I, I even have the, uh, the salt and pepper scruff thrown in right now. So, um, but no, I mean th- this weekend I had my hotshots 19, annual fundraising workout that I run just to re- to create awareness around the fallen 19 that I knew, um, you know, from Granite Mountain Hotshots in Arizona who died June 30th, 2013 when they were burned over. So I, I used their memory and, and the increased awareness around that uh, to, to give back to local fire now, like here in this area, uh, to the volunteer fire departments and stuff like that. So it's a small grassroots thing, but it's something. But I'm always reminded, and what you're telling me about right now is – so rookie year, um, I was I was given a job title, a side job title, besides being a rookie um, and digging in the dirt and doing what we do to fight wildfires. Uh, the superintendent's truck was like a command center, right? So in the hotshot world, they the guy there's always somebody put in charge of the truck, and you're called the soup bitch. So you're no. you're the you're the bitch for the for the superintendent's truck, like. Everything. Oh, superintendent soup. Yeah, like soup bitch, not like the food. Look a uh, second. <laughs> like SUP superintendent. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so for some strange reason, they decide to enable two soup bitches. And uh, the, the young guy that I'm referring to, his name was Dalton Lassiter. And I'll never forget him because I never saw him again after our rookie year. Uh, he did not lose his life to firefighting which is, was his goal. He went to a legit academy. He was, he was 18 years old. Like this kid, I caught, so I called him a kid. Like I was, you know, a lot older than him. And then I, I, by the end of that first year, I realized why they had two soup bitches. I was without them saying it, his mentor. So when, when he, when he fucked up, I had to say, I mean, push up penalties, burpee penalties, like everything that, everything that he did wrong was my responsibility. (laughs) So, and I, and I hated it, but 
And sometimes I was like, drove the kid drove me nuts. I'm like, why are you making this mistake? We've trained on this. Like, what is wrong with you? So whole different, whole different podcast. But for your benefit, uh, I found out that winter uh, that he had passed away. And I was like, what the hell happened? And I found out that him and his twin brother were big hunters. And like they like guns and everything else. And, you know, anyway, dude, they were cleaning handguns at the kitchen table. <sighs> and his twin brother's gun went off and blasted him in the chest and killed him. And I'm like, dear God, how does somebody, number one, live with that? Let alone the fact that you're, yeah. it's, it's your, it's your twin brother. But it's like, my, my whole point of that little quick backstory was relating to what you were going through. Like, dude, that was an accident. They thought there was no rounds probably in the chamber, right? Yeah. You had Are 15 you? in the clip and one, I mean, did you actually, did you have, I don't know if anybody asked. I, I loaded did you, 15 did you have racks, one that, so it would have been 14 and one, but yeah. Did you have it? Did you have it in the chamber? Oh yeah, it was oh, chamber. Shit. Okay. So. I wanted to die. I, that night, I had no intention. I, I, I found that people who reach that point and want to do it seriously, genuinely want to do it, do it. They don't. I, and I'm, and I, in no way, am I trying to demean folks who have that had suicide attempts and and lived through it. Right. I, I, I understand that on a lot of time. Well, look at me. Look at me. I lived through it. Yeah. But there's other people. Um, I, I know someone who has made, I want to say this is his sixth attempt, but he specifically does things that won't kill him, but will get him just a little bit of, of attention. I think he's, he's, he's looking for something, but in my situation, I, I did, I didn't want to live looking for attention. You were looking to end. sounds like you just wanted to, all the problems to go away. And if I had ended it, I never would have met my wife. I never would have had my, my, I have two older stepchildren and three biological children. I've, this is my fourth book. I, I mean, I look around and, and think of everything that wouldn't exist if that night had gone the way I intended. It's Yeah, I mean, and real quick, since we're going to talk about the book, I got to do a little screen sharing. We'll do this more throughout the show. But for the video feed and the audio people, like go to kickstarter.com. This will be linked in the show notes, people. Um, and you can just search for Dear Billy. And it'll, I actually tested this, and it comes up right away. But if you want to, it's Dear billy dash salvation in the Poconos. And the tagline here is, you know, with my faith in Jesus to guide me each day, I balance immeasurable blessings and the seemingly unbearable torment of mental illness. So clearly Ben, this book is what we're talking about today. I mean, yes, this is your mission. You need to get it out there. Um, you just launched this campaign. You still got, well, we're recording this 26 days to go. Uh, but let's, Let's get back to your story. I just want to make sure we, we gave it a little bit of highlight at the beginning here so people, can, so people can just pause. Ladies and gentlemen, watching this on YouTube or hearing this, just you hit the pause button and you can actually multitask. Then you can go and go on kickstarter.com and you go and you click and, and you donate. It's really easy, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> so Ben. Please help me, help me get that book out. That's my my whole goal in this Scott is is to get my story out there because there's a lot of facets to it that I think people will be able to relate to in their own lives. But the underwhelm or under underwhelming, what I meant to say is underlying measure of that book, the the theme is that there's always hope for a brighter future, as dark as it as it feels. And I was at the very darkest and I, I never foresaw it coming and getting better. Just as people will say, I never, we never saw it coming when things go bad. You never hear that. I never saw it coming when things go good, but it, it does. 
it's just people tend to fixate on the bad. And mm-hmm. my, my goal was to get that story out there to help all the people who were where I was that night, October 26, 2003. So they don't even reach the point that I did because I was a very, I am a very lucky man. And so do you feel that, I mean, how, how long has this book been in you? Because you, you, you're a multi-author. So, the, I mean, from what I've been learning, I've had a lot of authors on here. Sometimes you've got a project in your head, but the timing isn't right yet, right? I have been trying to tell that story. You're, you're absolutely right. I, I've been trying to tell that story for um, probably a decade. Okay. And I actually wrote an entire manuscript. And um, I, pardon me, I wrote an entire manuscript and uh, I didn't like it. It didn't feel right. And I, I just trashed it. I, I just, I couldn't find, that's why it's called Salvation in the Poconos as the tag on that, because I, I have been trying to tell that story for so long and I just couldn't find the words. And it's my personal story, but at the same point, it's, it's a story that's shared by so many other people and I had to do it justice. I had to do it right. And I couldn't, I couldn't find the way to do it. And then we, uh, my wife and I went on a trip to the Poconos. Um, in the book, I call the inn Turkaner Lodge. The real name is the Bishwind. Oh, is that the photo on the cover? Yes, yeah, that on. is let the me, Bishwind. Let me share again. So I, I, I scrolled down. You got a lot of great uh, imagery in your Kickstarter page. Oh, thank yeah. you. And let me, let me, yeah, let, that, me let me zoom in for, for people here. So you can see that cool mountain style chalet or whatever you call um, that towards towards the Tudor style and um that lake right in in the background too on the main image is bear creek lake yeah. actually that picture on the trip i took both pictures on the trip and um i had a series of really profound experiences while we were at the bishwind and uh, a lot deal with my my faith and my my religious beliefs but it was also very introspective there were a lot of moments that and I wrote about this and people might think of it as a vehicle to, to tell my story, but it happened. What I wrote about in that book happened. There were, there was one situation in that entire book, one situation in the current, the current uh, day uh, at the end that I, I based off a true, a true situation and true people. But uh, I used the artistic license because it is an incredibly intense personal situation. And if I had told people, if, if I had said it in the actual way it happened, I would have given away somebody's very, very dark, not secret, but um, it's, a, it's a privacy thing. Hmm. Everything about my past that I speak about in the book happened, happened exactly as I wrote it. And everything in, in the current, um, I, I wrote it in the form of a letter to Billy uh, Billy is the innkeeper at uh, the Bishwind. Um, again, it's called the Tricaner Inn in the book. But I wrote it in the form of a letter to her. And I I wrote about these introspective moments, things that happened at the end that made me think back to different points in my life. And all of that happened. So I said, I just planned on it being a birthday trip for my wife. Her birthday was July 27th. And I was going to surprise her ahead of time with a trip to the Bishwind she's a, a freaking ninja and she manages to figure out every gift before I give it to her. <laughs> I'm going to get you before your birthday. They're crafty like that, man. You got, you got to, you got to be yeah. really stealthy, really stealthy. And, uh, I thought I'll, I'll take her away from the kids. I'll give her a chance and I'll give her exactly what she wants. And this is going to sound stupid, but once you're married and if you have kids and move on to that stage, you will totally see what they want is peace. So I was like, go take a nap. 
You know? Oh, I've, I have picked up on that. Like we, we, we don't want to have kids. Like we've already committed. We, okay. we've, we figured that out before I even put the ring on the finger. Like we did this. I did, I did, I did the snippety snip surgery commitment did you? before the ring. Yeah. Because I don't mean necessarily good decision not to have kids. I love my kids. I mean, good decision to have the conversation. No, yeah. My, my, like my younger brother, he's very religious uh, these days. And, and now he's, he has brought a a new niece into the world for me uh, with his wife. Oh. So I, I I was like, you know what? I've coached kids. I, I was a ski race coach for eleven years in the Poconos at Camelback. I, awesome! I used yeah. to ski there. Oh yeah, dude. That yeah, I, I was a race coach there in my free time. So I'm good with, I'm good with kids until they get annoying, <laughs> and then I just give them back. They and do, and that's what Kristen, my fiance, and I do. We're like, hey, like she's got a niece and nephew. I have a nephew that I just I just brought him a bike this weekend. He just moved in for his freshman year at Wilkes University. Full full ride from the U.S. Air wow. Force, the, the the civil the CAP program, civil air civil air. Oh, I know patrol? exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, civil air patrol, which is somehow connected yes. to the Air Force, dude. The lieutenant colonel who interviewed him, full ride. Wow. No debt. Everything's paid for. Food, dorm. <laughs> tuition i'm like dude you're amazing i'm bringing you a bike so you can get around, you can get around awesome. camp because i'm a huge biker but it's like that's what i want to do i we've i've explained to people who are like super parents like you guys like dude the commitments and the sacrifice that you choose to become a parent is powerful i have no problem telling people like dude i am not meant to be a parent i don't care if people say well that'll change when it's yours sorry no. we're good I, <laughs> I don't subscribe to that philosophy a lot a lot of parents it's it's funny when you have something, you think it's a certain weird sort of mindset that everybody else should have what you have. Like, you know, I have kids, so I, I want everyone to have kids. Sure. I don't subscribe to that. I think, you know, some people are meant to have these kids. Some people aren't. And it's a personal decision. If, if that's a child doesn't make you complete, if that's not what you want and not the life that you want to lead. Mm -hmm. Different missions and purposes in life. Some people are, you know, I, I believe that part of my life's mission are, is to raise these children and to teach them certain values and, and tools and their own future and the things and good works that they do going forward will be hopefully a product of the lessons that I've instilled, but you have a different path and that's perfectly fine. I've never understood that mindset that, you know, you have to get married and you have to have kids because if you don't, your life's not complete. Yeah, it, it goes back to some of the stuff that you've done. Some people like dogs. I mean, also, I, I, I think this connects to some of your story too, right? Is that you and I were kind of discussing that, I think, before the show, maybe already. It's just that there is no perfect path. There is no perfect person. There is no perfect life. The word perfect should be True. thrown the hell out. Life, life is about experiencing learning and most especially since i left the firefighting world and then started figuring out how to become an entrepreneur it is holy crap you need to make mistakes because those yes. are the most those are the most powerful lessons we can learn and what you're telling us today and what is in this book that book is probably a giant emotional i'm, I'm gonna ask you but probably has a wealth of mistakes and lessons learned in that book am i wrong absolutely well, no, no, you're absolutely right. And what you said is so true. People don't learn things in the good times. When everything's going great and you're happy and, and doing well, you don't stop and think, wow, I'm doing really well. I wonder what, what yeah. got me how, here. How did I do that? <laughs> no, it's you get introspective and you, you start to think and question and 
and really just go over your life in those bad moments or when you face a terrible loss. Mm. Me, it wasn't necessarily a decision. I, I didn't, I never chose for things to go the way they did in the military. I, you know me and you know that I'm a kind of a type A personality and you should have seen me before the panic disorder and the attacks and the struggles because I was super arrogant and I just, I was <laughs> damn arrogant is the best way. I, I, I wanted to prove how good I was at my job and I could identify where people were. I could identify what weapons they were using. I could identify missile systems and, you know, go from target, target acquisition modes, target tracking to deltas once they fought. I was so, I wanted to prove myself because I just, I wanted to get in the, oh, the ghosts of my past. Right, I, yes. You're talking about us. So I got to show them. Again, video, video feed that people. Guy right there and the, the, the rope is covering up. I, and I actually did that when I used it. I, I put those, the one in the middle was the real picture um, at present time. And the others are all pictures of me from the past. And that rope is actually Wait, covered up in metals. But this, um, this is you? That's me, high school, right as I graduated high school. I don't yeah. even recognize you, man. Like the, the, these, are, <laughs> I remember these. These, I could see it. Yeah. But that one in the uh, the tux or whatever that is, like, really? Okay. Yeah, it's a tux. It's um, a senior prom right before I graduated high school. And then the right to the left of that is um, when I went through training at Corey Station. It's called, was called the Center for Information Dominance. And now I think it's the Center for Information Warfare. They have all these new buzzwords, but that was... That was my full dress blue uniform there. Yep. Above it was uh, after training when I was operational. That was me off the. You won't find pictures of me in uniform when I was working because of the nature. I mean, I I worked in skiffs and I worked in planes. I I, I was cleared three compartments above top secret. So it was just the places that I worked. We didn't take pictures. If that makes any yeah. sense. <laughs> well, again, I mean, if you're three tiers above top secret at well, the time, you, you, you couldn't talk about anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's top secret and then sensitive compartment and information. And then I had TK, which is a, mm, I'm hoping that this is all out there and unclassified with talent keyhole. It's just, um, we have keyhole imagery satellites. And then there was, um, the third was a, a, this one I don't really want to go too far into because I'm not sure what is able to. But uh, intelligence communications, there's a whole lot of um, variants on that. This, I, I don't want to go too far. You're down. fine. You're fine. That's, that's yeah. yeah. And, and again, you don't take pictures down. of that. Like, look what I'm holding. Look what we're doing, you know? But It's a hard life. Because, yeah. again, back to what I kind of hinted at with the whole, the, the healthy psychology of interacting with other human beings. Well, dude, you're literally in the military interacting with content that you can't even share or talk about. Like I couldn't share with the people that I worked with. I, I specifically work on a system and I can't really talk about the system because it's still in use. I mean, I'm sure it's modified beyond anything I'd recognize, but the actual name of it is still in use today. Yeah. Um, they have what they call the classic version, this, this, this classic and then a, a newer format. But at the time it was brand new and I worked on it and I was, there were two people that were were road testing it, as they said at the time, and they pulled me right when I got to Rota, Spain, and they had me training before and after. When you when you go overseas in the military, at least in the Navy, they put you in something called First Lieutenant's Division for like a week or two. Okay. And basically, it's just to get used to the squadron. Some people help out in the mail room. 
Some people like sweep hallways. It's just it's just a general light duty kind of thing to get you acclimated to the time difference and yeah, and your surroundings. And for me, they while I was in, they put me in the mail room and they asked if I was interested in being part of this this program. And um, it was I was approached by our intelligence officer. They didn't give me a lot of details ahead of time. Just you know, are you interested in in being a part of something new and at the time, I, that was going to be my career. So I was like, yeah, I'm like, ah, absolutely. What a way to start. You know what I mean? Yeah. Learn this system. And my arrogance ended up being the downfall. I, I stayed in the mailroom for almost six months and they kept coming up with new excuses why it was, it was kind of funny. It became a joke towards the end of the day, a running joke. Like, why is Ben still down in the mailroom delivering mail when he's a CTT with all this training? And it's because I had been training in the mornings and after work, depending on the day on this new system. And I got all trained and got up, used the system. And I, like I said, I was so freaking arrogant. I wanted to show everybody. I'm like, look what I can do. Yeah. Then I did it. And then people died and it fell apart because yeah. it turns out I'm a big old P word. And <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but sometimes just to pause though on, on not the pussy factor, but like the, <laughs> the, the concern of, or being a wuss or whatever people want to say, right? It's, it's, but before you said that, you were talking about the arrogant factor. Yeah. And I think as we grow and develop, this is good because part of our target audience is the millennial generation. Actually, it's a, it's, I, I take it as our responsibility as Gen X, right? If you look at wisdom, uh, some of the best, most inspirational people I've studied, they said, listen, what, it, what what's the point of having the wisdom uh, if you're not sharing it? Right. So it's your it's your responsibility that the wisest people in our history, the reason why they're seen as being wise is because they pass that knowledge on. And we're not necessarily reinventing everything. We're just we're just like, oh, we're just as we learn things and then that person takes that content and then spins it to fit what they know and then vice versa. Right. So that's what we're doing. We're just passing it on in a different way. And absolutely. But I just love the little arrogance piece because it's not what you went through, but you and I were coaches together uh, yes. at T-Mobile. Well, a bit arrogant there too. I apologize. Oh, well, if you, you probably don't remember this. So I think you were like me. Did we work our way up from the front lines of call? Like, yes. Yeah. It's right. So we were, we, we, I started there answering phones in a call center, but we had both, I actually gotten hired with management experience, but they put us on the phone anyway. And right. earn it. so I, cause we were doing, uh, we weren't even call coaches back then. We, I think you and I went, did you, did you and I go to the, when we, when we launched coaches, we went down to um, Nashville, Tennessee to get completely oh, I retrained. Didn't. I, had, I was a supervisor. I was only actually there for about a month before they bumped me up to supervisor. But yeah. um, I, I was in the old building as supervisor. And then they changed our name like three times. Right. We were supervisors. Then we were, oh, I can't remember what the, the, the middle one was something bizarre, like a, Agent Express Supervisor and then Something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I just basically met a new name tag. Oh, and then they wanted us to wear the name tag. But when we built that, uh, I think it was 12 million that they spent gutting and redoing that building. And we moved over oh, to yeah. the, the airport, right? And because we went from voice stream, you know, voice stream to T-Mobile and blah, blah, blah. Anyway. 0359011. I still remember my number. How that sick is, is that? 
I, I've luckily learned a lot of things yeah. since then, and I can't remember that one. But anyway, <laughs> but my I point, don't know why it's there. It's dude. I still okay. Before we met, we and I met again, ladies and gentlemen, we're geeking out about. We go way back. Okay, um, the, the, that we you and I were talking about info NXX. I still yeah. have area codes, uh, NPAs, and then a lot of people don't know what it, a phone number. Your phone number. You take a ten-digit phone number in here in the mm -hmm. continental U.S. The first three digits is an NPA. The next three digits is uh, an NXX, and the last four digits is an NNNN. People don't know this. So, oh, I didn't know that. No. Oh yeah, I'm a geek. So, but to this day, I can still pretty hang pretty good with just calling out area codes. Like the first two area codes in Los Angeles were two one three and three one zero. Like I get to sometimes do that when wow. I'm at a party, and people are like, "What? You you just know area codes?" I'm like, "I that's how I started my career in the '90s." <laughs> so anyway, the point was the story was I was an interim coach, and I kept getting passed over promotion because at the time. I was overselling my abilities and I was trying to show everybody that I could do this and I, I got this and in there and I talked a big game and in the end and this and this came full circle when I became a firefighter, which was dude, you can have the best pedigree, the best background, you can have all the education in the world, but in the end, your work will sell itself and the respect of your team around you will sell itself. And True. I carried that into firefighting and I had to, years later, I had to be smacked around again. Like I wasn't trying to move up. I was just trying to be a good hotshot. But when I started there, they told me ahead of time, like, listen, you got a great pedigree from the business world. FYI, that means jack shit to us. He's like, you're going to put your head down. You're going to take that tool. You're going to go dig in the dirt. There you go. He's like, if you want to be respected by the squad bosses, especially because you're older, outperform everybody else. We'll, we'll let you know when you're doing a good job. Makes <laughs> sense. Yeah. So I the, mean, the, the it, arrogance it really is popular, man. Start. Yeah. It's okay. You're not allowed. That's about a, a difficult adjustment to make. It is. And you don't, here's the best part. You don't know you're being arrogant, right? Like you're not trying to. Oh, right? I had no clue at the time. You're right. 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 It's yeah. like until somebody. I was real proud. I'm like, look how good I am. <laughs> yeah. But so, also how, how old were you then when you were doing the intelligence you, I was 19. 19. Yeah. So I, I think how ridiculous. I, I see 19 year olds, 20 year olds, and I think their judgment's terrible. Yeah. I was 19. They put me in charge of multi million dollar, you know, electronic communications and intercepts, things that you, you wouldn't expect. They, they paid for my house. When I was in Spain, I had a house on the beach. Well, technically three houses from the beach, but still, I was engaged to someone else. That's a different story. <laughs> she had a house on the beach that the Navy paid for because we got this fantastic extra pay. Anybody that worked in the certain area that I worked in got extra pay. Yeah. I used it towards this house, which I was rarely at, but when I was, it was fantastic. And um, yeah, arrogant. I didn't realize it at the time. I was, I was like, oh, I'm on the way, man. I'm going to get where I'm going to go and I'm going to get there. I, I think the lesson from that around is... Me. I think the lesson from that is that, yeah, you were 19. I, I was still making that mistake in the corporate space at like 25, 26 because, and, and I think this is a great lesson for the millennials right now is that everybody wants to, again, I've, I've, I talk to a lot of millennials too, and I love the motivation. I love the excitement and the hustle, um, but there is still a percentage that expect 
a lot of things. So I want them to understand and hear this, that dude, you, we get, you're, you're hearing two Gen Xers right now. And guess what? Yeah. We did the same dumb shit. <laughs> I'd like to say it wasn't Drew, but it is. You got to put the work in. And, and if, that's if life hadn't beat me around, Scott, I would have been in the mid twenties doing the same stuff. I would have probably, if I hadn't experienced the, the attacks, it started as panic attacks and then the PTSD symptoms kicked in and, I left it untreated because I didn't know what was wrong with me. And over time it developed in the generalized anxiety disorder and the, um, this PTSD, oh, agoraphobia. That was a real fun one when I had a hard time leaving the house. And, oh, wow. You actually got like bound in the house type of condition. I didn't know that. Yeah, that it, it's gone. And I still, you know, there's no shame in it. Part of me is like, shut up. Don't self tell people this, but it's true. I have days that I can't leave my bedroom and I, I don't, I can't tell you a logical reason why. I'm right now, I look out, there's a big bay window in my office and I can see the street out there to get up and walk out in the street. I would feel incredibly uncomfortable to the point that I would feel like I just need to come in. I, I, this is my doctor now. I have a fantastic doctor who has explained a lot of things to me because I, I denied the PTSD for the longest time. The VA diagnosed me around 2000 or 2001 with PTSD. And I, I just said, no, I wasn't a combat vet. I wasn't on the ground with a rifle fighting. I, I did intel. I was doing something else. But you were, instead of the physical beatdown, you were literally hardcore mental psychological beatdown. That's, it was all in my, yeah, the, the all in my head psychological shit. And I just, I couldn't, I did, I couldn't equate that with what these guys and, and now girls go through out on a battlefield. And I thought, who the hell am I? have PTSD when I haven't been where they are. Yeah. My doctor, the doctor now, his name is Dr. Youngelman. Um, I used to see a VA psychologist, but they could fit me in. I think once every two months, the guy almost never remembered my name. And so I basically had to tell him the story over and over again. And I just gave up. And now I pay out of pocket to see somebody every week, Dr. Youngelman. And I started seeing him in 2011 and he's the one who really, kind of beat it into my head what PTSD is. And um, for me, the symptoms, the, the sequestering myself in different areas away from everybody, a lot of that is PTSD because it's um, when I'm out and about, I take everything in. I hear, I see, smell, um, everything. You're, well, yeah, you're a high performer. You're almost overly sensitized. Like you've. Yeah. Everything all at once just kind of goes in and it, it's, when my kids are, this sounds so terrible, but my kids, they can be playing in front and if they get all excited, I, it's just, it's, it's too much. Everything is too much. When I go outside and I'm looking out there right now and it's a beautiful day and the flowers and everything are out there, the bushes and, and it, I can't explain exactly why. I don't understand why, but I feel, I feel unprotected. I'm out there and I'm, I, it's freaking me out. It's talking about, it. I don't know why it is, but I can hear like a dog bark, anything that like startles me or, or here's, here's a good one, Scott. I had been having flashbacks for years and I had no clue because I bought into what we see in Hollywood yeah. about flashbacks actually are. And I was talking to my doctor, Dr. Youngman actually. And, uh, I, I said, you know, PTSD though, I get it. I do have the, the nightmares. I've had them, I've had them for 20 years now. And I like last night I got to bed around three 30. I, I don't sleep very well. It's just the nature of my 
situation, but I was like, I don't have flashbacks though. So how can I have PTSD? And he said, yes, you do. I was like, no, I don't. He said, you've described him to me. And I, it was just like a back and forth conversation. He's like, your daydreams, Ben. They're not daydreams. They're flashbacks. Like, what are you about? I have these daydreams sometimes. It can happen anywhere. Well, I guess they're flashbacks. It feels weird to call them that, but it's not like you see on TV. I don't think that I'm suddenly back in a V. Well, never there, but like, you know, on TV or in the movies, the veteran suddenly is back in the, like the jungles of Vietnam and everybody yeah, around. Right. Obviously it's all special effects, but that's what they think it is. Right. Yeah. That's what they make. It seem like a flashback is, but in reality, at least I guess I can't really talk about anybody else's reality, but for my reality, it's a very intense daydream where I will wander off. And I mean, I don't lose fat. Like I know that I'm in my car and my wife and the kids, that was the last one actually happened recently when we were in the van. I, I don't drive anymore. Part of it is because I can't. In, yeah, in I, case I, you react at the wrong time. Yeah. And um, anyway, I was looking out the window and it, it just, it happens. And I go back to a handful of very specific times and they're very vivid. It's a daydream that I'm just, it's, it's like watching a movie in my head and I can feel exactly what I felt at the moment. I can smell, for instance, in the Navy, there's a very specific moment in our skiff in Spain. And uh, I, I, I remember, I remember the moment everything kind of came crashing down around me. And I remember everything about that to the point that I remember the, there was a very floral um, rosy kind of scent of um, the perfume on the female petty officer who was standing right next to me. She was saying, are you okay? Are you okay? And I just, I didn't know. I didn't know what I, I had read the sit rep and talked to uh, belligerent casualties. Um, the military, there's um, casualties on both sides for us. Belligerent was um, the, it's, it's a, it's sort of a long cat. The Serbians basically were, were the, what we listed as belligerent in the NATO. Right. It had all to do with the NATO alliance. And anyway, the people that died were at locations that I had helped identify and it all became very real to me. Wow. And um, everything just collapsed. That was my life changed that day and it's, it's never been the same. And to this, to this, this point I, I sat and I, I will sometimes sit in the car or sit somewhere else. And I'll just, I'll go right back to that moment. And I mean, I know that I'm, I'm, I know where I am cognizantly. I know that I'm here. I, I, I kind of relive that in my, in, in a, it's like a daydream, but I feel like, even as I'm talking, I feel exactly what I felt. Then this, I got to get the hell out of here. I got to, I got to get chronic. It's, it's almost like, again, I'm not a brain surgeon by any stretch of the means, but it almost sounds like if there was a way to hard code something into your synapses, that's literally what happened. It was such a scarring process that it literally yes. got hard coded into your psychology, into your synaptic pathways. That's, I, I, I mean, that's what it, it feels like it, it, I, I don't really understand the mechanics of it. And I've tried and um, my doctor has tried to kind of go over things with me, but it just, those, that's how I that experience the flashbacks. And it's, that's not the only moment. That's, that's the main one that I go back to a lot, but like the, my father's death. I go back to that one. That's another thing I learned is that when you, when you do have PTSD and your mind is open to certain, it's, it's like a door, you open a door 
Yeah. That door is open. People and things can come through it. Once you open that or your mind, I should say, opens that, that PTSD door, other very stressful situations that may happen before or after it, they're, they're all fair game. Hmm. And I'll never forget the moment standing at the bottom of the steps when my dad was, my dad had a heart attack in my family home, actually my old bedroom. Wow. Um, he and my mom had been married for 43 or no, 46 years, I believe. And the long and short of it is he snored. So he slept in a separate bed towards the end of their marriage. They got along great and it was a great marriage. Dude, that's my parents. Yeah. My parents haven't slept together in years because he had such a, well, his, he was overweight. Um, I mean, he's, he's became a type two diabetic. I've helped him a little bit when he chooses to listen, um, helped him lose a little bit of weight. And so his snoring isn't as bad, but it's probably been going on 15, 20 years. The dude just loves his recliner chair in the living room, dude. Like they haven't, I mean, they love each other. They, they don't, they're not like yeah. overly outward people. They don't have tons of friends. They just, they are a true partnership. And my mom has the whole bed to herself in the bedroom. And, and he just, he just got done upgrading. He looks forward to every few years getting his new recliner chair. He's got this big, <laughs> big, massive recliner chair. And I'm like, what is the deal? But Hey, that's the works, right? Yeah. That's, that's what worked for them. And he was, he was in that, he was in the bedroom and, um, he, basically he, he collapsed. My mom was downstairs and heard him fall and, and called me. And, you know, there's a whole lot that happened that night and I wrote about it and respectfully, I'd rather not just, I don't want to get too far into it. Cause it's just a, no, it's okay. It's like, it's, it's like the, what we talked about earlier in Spain, that moment when I read that sit rep and things changed, but I mean, I stood at the bottom of the steps and well, I don't know if, if I ever told you this, but when I was in school up at Lock Haven, I, I graduated from Lock Haven. Yeah. I had to take different, um, you know, the filler courses that you take. I can't think of what they're called. Uh, just, you could take like speech comm and, and like, you know, whatever, the electives. I, yeah, electives. That was the word I was looking for. I took one uh, CPR and uh, first aid trainer. It was actually a course. At the end of it, we were all certified to train and teach CPR and first aid. Yeah. I knew the statistics of it. I knew the statistics of um, of um, the defibrillator and all that. And um, I stood at the bottom of the steps. I thought my dad was all right as they were bringing him down because his eyes were in a fixed gaze. But I thought he moved his arm and they got to the bottom of the steps. And uh, I will never forget. It haunts me in my head when the, the medic was standing right there. He said, resume CPR. And I knew in that moment that he was gone wow. because use the defibrillator upstairs and i know for the people out there that don't know there's cpr and tv seems like this miracle you know that it springs back everybody's life and in real life it doesn't work that way I, i've been trained in cpr like not at your level but i've been i get i get re, i redo it every two years like my clockwork you so. you know that for even if somebody is right there with you outside of a hospital situation if somebody is right there and properly trained, there's still only a 10% chance of survival. Yeah. You, you can have the tools, but it doesn't give you a guarantee. Yes. No. You, the CPR process without a defibrillator, for example, is to keep oxygen going to the brain. Although the newer programming, the newer, the last education I did last year is saying, dude, you, you're actually better off just like, even if you're not giving them breath, just the heart and yeah. the defibrillator there's is the primary. Yeah, compressions, but that the defibrillator is everything. Like they, they've really have prioritized that now. Yeah, um, and even the defibrillator is only a forty percent chance of survival outside of the world. So, yeah. 
I mean, and, and maybe they have, that was years ago that I, I was trained. Maybe things have progressed, but back then I knew they had shocked him at least twice. I believe it was three times I later learned yeah. and then CPR. When you, when CPR is performed by somebody, even after a five minute amount of time has passed, it's the brain lacks oxygen. The brain doesn't the oxygen. The heart isn't pumping. That's the main gist of the heart. It's the pump that, and you know it, yeah. but for there's and viewers out there, the heart pumps in the blood oxygen throughout our body and oxygenates the body. And five minutes without that, your body begins to start to die. And, um, and, it's, the, and the brain controls everything. So yeah, it's near impossible to bring it back after that time. Again, outside of a hospital in a hospital situation, they have tools. They can, they can push up an and things like that to, to speed things along. But it's the person and some, you know, working in the house, I, Anyway, when I heard him say resume CPR, that's one of the moments I go back to, and it just freaking sucks. Are, are, are you are you cool if I share one of the photos from your Kickstarter campaign? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I mean, I just hey, I'm respecting your condition. Um, no, I appreciate on his it. Kickstarter, ladies and gentlemen, when you There's scroll down, he's got a, a, a cool old shot. There, there you are with a, a really bad mustache. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Right. Uh, well, you know, when we're young, we think we can grow facial hair. And it's like, well, maybe I could have changed my, my game plan there. Um, my dad was sporting the beard. I don't know if it, how it's coming across in the picture, but he had a nice solid beard. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's legit. Let me zoom in on that. That's that's solid. <laughs> that's, it was actually longer. It was he had it tucked in because my mom hated it with a passion. <laughs> oh, man. But that's, see, my that's dad. awesome. I mean, you. I love the fact that you've you built a lot of transparency into your Kickstarter page. You want to make sure people you know see little pieces like you have the embedded video from the Rachel Ray show back when you were on that. So oh, yeah. I mean, you've gone through a lot. So this is an important yes. story to share. So that's why I wanted you on the podcast. I wanted to like bring up like you know your transformation too. Like you that. you might not be want to be where everywhere where you're at, but dude, I remember. I've watched you, your roller coaster ride with weight loss, weight gain, uh, the stress that you've you've gone through. Like you've you've been on a roller coaster ride, man. Really, it's been that way. And in the lowest moments, like when this picture was taken, that right there was one of those moments that I told you about where I couldn't leave my bedroom. That was at our last house. They um they brought the birthday. It was my birthday. I couldn't go downstairs to celebrate. I I, I had a hard time leaving a bedroom to yeah. the point even though it sorely did not fit in our old bedroom. I had that couch brought up and we had a couch there. So I wasn't, I felt like that guy, you know, you know Charlie in the chocolate factory, how the yeah. grandparents are laying in bed. That's what I felt like all the time. So I'm like, I need a couch or a chair. Oh, like his, uh, what was that? Was that his grandfather or his father? Or, yeah. <laughs> like I'm an old man. So we got that, that couch put in there and it's all covered in wrapping paper in this picture from my birthday. Yeah. But I used, that's basically, I didn't leave that room for weeks at a time. And, in our new house specifically, this house where we live now, I have my home office here, but our bedroom has a oh, is my nana <laughs> 90th birthday party because I couldn't leave the house. That's the, she, she came to you. What's that? Did she come to you then? Uh no, no. They had a big birthday party for her and the family, and everybody went, and okay. uh, Andrea and the kids went. And do you know I was invited to be the keynote speaker at my college? after donate my weight and um really? some of the things that i that had happened yeah i was invited to be a keynote speaker and come back to lock haven i was so excited it was this crazy honor and i thought you know i, I to my head i was like 
it's sort of a validation of all the stuff that I've been through. And I, I thought, man, this is a great chance to speak directly to these kids. Like you mentioned before, talking to that next generation and passing along. The title of my speech was writing your own story and talking about how the, the speech was all about how life will throw curveballs at you. And as the old saying goes, life is what happens while you're making other plans. So you need to adapt and you need to recognize that it's not going to go as you plan, no. but that's okay. Just have different, you know, be ready for it and be able to flow and move and you can still be successful. Maybe not in the way you originally intended, but the long story short on that, Scott is um, the night before I, I, I had one of the worst attacks I'd had in a while. And I, I just, I knew I was your anxiety kicked in. I, I recorded the speech in my basement where I used to have my office at the old house. And um, I, behind this desk, I recorded the whole speech. Andrea, the kids all drove up to Lock Haven and this giant auditorium was filled with all the students and, um, and faculty and all the people that were invited. They had this whole, like they laid out the red carpet for, for my family and me. And I wasn't there. They, they played a video in my absence of me. It's yeah, but hold on. Let, humiliating. Let, let me pause on this, bro. All right, because I've been watching some recent posts about your Kickstarter and your frustration, and I'm I'm hearing it right now. And I beat myself up a lot too because I, I I hold myself to too high of a standard, and I I I see that and I hear that in you, and that's why I want to pause on this note, dude. The average person who could even consider going through what you've gone through, they would not have still gone down into the basement, gotten behind the desk, and recorded something. You still took it serious enough to say, wait a minute, I still committed to do this. You still videoed it. So don't, yeah. don't, don't, we need, we can't cut that out, bro. I got to call you out on that. Like that's, yes, does it suck that you didn't go? And I, dude, I, I feel your energy right now. But you still say, yo, wait a minute, I'm going to get down here. I'm going to record my speech. I'm still going to give them something. And then because of your powerful relationship, your family still went on your behalf and your wife stepped up and helped deliver that video for on your she behalf. Was awesome. Dude, you got like a super relationship. Like what is up with that? I'm a very lucky man. I really am. And that's not even the only time she's when my, I, I've um, been the curator of three museum exhibits for the mid Atlantic center for the arts. Yeah. And um, I'm going to do my fourth. That's my wife there. And uh, actually, that was taken at the Bishwind, uh, what I, in the book I call Turkaner Inn. Yeah. I, I have done three museum exhibits. My fourth opens up next year. But when that first one opened, I couldn't go down. I couldn't attend. My brother went in my place and my wife and, um, and the kids went down with him. And there was another one. They, they Skyped with me. It was humiliating. I didn't actually Skype with the people there. I Skyped with um, my wife and family afterwards. I sucked i can't believe that they invited me back but they did and thankfully i was able to go for the for the next two and here's, were, the, here's the thing ben i'll go back to my prior point uh it's like, it's like you and i were messaging each other last night i'm like dude you still you still actually sucked it up and still delivered yeah okay yeah. so you said wait a minute i know i'm not there but you got on a skype call so many people don't even do that so but what, what do you do though? I mean, I, I couldn't leave him hanging. Right. I, so, so you, you got to celebrate I, the wins, man. I, I, so I, I it's funny cause I, I try not to beat up my co-hosts on the show, but cause I've known you for too no, long. I value your opinion. So I'm like, dude, 
you got to remind yourself that you've still followed up and did the big, uh, I'm a sales and marketing professional. You know how most sales fail? Because people give up too soon. They stop following up. It's no is no, just the, no is not no. No is just not right now. The timing isn't right right now. You might not be at the right place on the timeline right now. Okay. Sound like my dad he used to say he used to say that no is never. Well, I mean, of course, in, in certain situations, no is no. But in well, the <laughs> different podcast, <laughs> different, different podcast. No, like <laughs> no is not right now. Yeah. Or no is maybe I need a little bit more convincing in a sales again. Sales. sales. Yes, exactly. In a professional. Just to be very clear. Um, that, um, of course, no is no in other situations. All in romantic endeavors, no is yes, no. unequivocally no. Yeah, so, <laughs> with regard to, to things like that, he, yeah, he, 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 his other jobs. I mentioned before he was a teacher for thirty-eight years, but he also worked two and three jobs. And one was um, he worked at a little grocery store right by our our uh, home. But that was really hard for him because a lot of the students that he had would come into that store after school and it just it was just a lot for him to take. Yeah. So he began selling men's suits at the local mall and that's what he did for I recommend a sales, childhood. I recommend a sales job to anyone. I, I tell you all the time, people say, Oh, I suck at sales. I'm like, dude, every person is a salesperson. They just haven't that's developed true. the skill yet. When you ask a girl or guy out on a date you are selling yourself and the potential of a great experience, right? That's a sales process. If you can at least crack the door open and they say yes, you've you've moved closer to closing a sale, so to speak. Um, the, the average sale fails before you even open the door. So when, if you can convince, it, you got married, bro. That is a huge closing of the deal, right? Like you closed a massive sale, right? So it's like, yeah. I, I just love how, because like we talk about health, business, and lifestyle on this show. So it's like, there's a... A small little tinge of business coming in there. It's that, my, again, full circle here. The whole point is that, yeah, shit happens, dude. Yeah, and you're like me. We hold ourselves to a very high standard. And I don't have the, I'm going to call it this, dude, the mental fortitude that you've developed from what you've been going through. Like, you have you to remind yourself of that, right? Dude. I guess I, it doesn't feel that way. It feels the exact opposite. Some a lot of times we all have bad days. The difference is your bad days hit harder than what I'm used to, but yeah. you still come bouncing back. You're still a multi-author. Okay, I you, gotta keep going. I have a wife. I have kids. I, I have I have stories inside of me that I need to get out. And yeah. I that's that's what the writing is. This book was was the first and, and there's more. It's like they eat at you from the inside and you, you, you have to release them. You have to get them out. And until you do, there is that on, on your board up there. What's I can't see. That's my book. What is it? I, that I just started writing. <laughs> it's called, So You Want to Be a Hot Shot. Excellent. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm in a self-published uh, mastermind group right now working on it because I've been talking about it for two years. You've done this. Like to me, as, as far as a budding author, you're already a hero to me, dude, because you've like stepped up and actually had the balls to put it out there. I've been just putting this off and putting this off. And now it's like uh, when, when the movie came out a few months ago about the story of the Fallen 19, the Grand Mountain Hotshots, the guys that I knew, we served on fires together, you know, different crews, but I still knew their faces. So when they're, and I don't know if you, you know that story. I do. Yeah. I do. So 
And it's just it's like a, it's like a, we were like a, a militarized version of firefighting. That's that's the best way I can explain it. In the movie, they actually called us like the Navy SEALs of firefighting. I'm like, oh, we never would call ourselves that, but thank you. Um, but it was just this is this is kind of my story. And I and I, I was like, you know, I'm, I was always holding myself back, saying, well, who the hell wants to hear about Scott? But then this has continued to, thanks to all that I run that charity event every year. Like so far, I've only raised seven hundred dollars from this weekend. Okay, but it's still something, right? I'm still taking action. You're still taking action. I'm finally going to take action on this and finally work on this book. I've never, I mean, I've been published three times in a magazine now locally, the network magazine here locally. So I've been putting in the reps and trying to like break that down. Like I started the podcast originally because I love podcasting, but I also thought about like, wait a minute, if I launch a podcast and I grow a following and I help other people like you get their brand out there and tell their story, then one day I will have developed a platform that I could actually market my own stuff on, right? It's my show. So I can't mm -hmm. wait to finish this now because I can promote my own book on my own show. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I do have to tell you, I missed a little in there because the it, like your audio and, and image froze. Oh, okay. But just for a brief period of time there. So when you watch this back, if you hear me saying, I can hear you, can you hear me? Oh, I no, you, that didn't even come through. Not, so. Oh, okay. But I, I, I think it's awesome that you're sharing that story and, um, and helping others in the way that you are, because I know how difficult it is. It's such a, a different situation to going from my, my other books, my first two books and the third one right now that's being worked on are, are being handled through a professional publisher. Yeah. That, you know, he's, he does all the layouts, all the designs, they do the marketing. I show up at, <laughs> at book signings when, when you can. I, I sometimes show up at book signings yeah. when I, and they've, um, we, we stopped doing book signings for that reason because it got a little difficult, but I would, I, the last time I did for him, I, I actually went into a warehouse that they, they have and signed like thousands of books and just privately, that's the only way I could do it. But, um, doing that to self -pub self publishing is is a beast and it's terrifying and I still don't understand much about it. I'm figuring it out as we are talking right here right now. That's why I paid to go into a mastermind group that has helped thousands of other authors get self published. So it's like, all right, uh, again, surround yourself with people who know more than you. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. I know we talk about that on the show often. So, and that's why I was looking forward to bringing this up because it's not about me. It's not about this, but it's about people like yourself who, like me, we hold ourselves to a high standard. We beat ourselves up. We want to succeed because we know we can create change in this world. But part of that yes. process is allowing ourselves the patience to, <laughs> to learn, like, okay, let's say worst case scenario, your Kickstarter doesn't succeed. Worst case scenario, right? But what are you going to learn from the process? You, have you ever run a Kickstarter before? No. No. Okay, so now you literally could become, I, I'm just having fun with this, but next thing you know, you could become a Kickstarter consultant. Like, hey, here's what I learned. There's people out here who haven't had the balls to pull the trigger on a Kickstarter. You're in one right now. So whether you succeed or don't, you will now know more than other people because they haven't even pulled the trigger yet. Right? That's, we're, we're, you're not you, thinking you about like that. my wife. We had this conversation about three hours ago. Dead serious, I thought. Because I, I did actually, there, there was a game that I wanted to put out there as well. And um, I still, it's an awesome game, but I don't have, I didn't have things set up and in line. 
And I said, we should do it. We'll do it. I put up on Kickstarter and I got everything. I'm, you, you know how I am when I get like, to do it. We're going to do it. It's going to be great. And then I woke up the next morning. I'm like, what did you do? I'm not ready for this. So I quit canceled that one. And that's when I learned that Kickstarters never get erased. So like, even though it was only live for something like three to four hours, mm-hmm. always going to be there. So I put like an update, letting people know that I canceled it. It's an awesome family game. It's a card game. But and maybe the time wasn't right. And you could still take action on that later. I, I think I would love to down the road because it's something that we did. We played with our own family and um, it was super fun. And it was just, I don't want to get too far down. But dude, what you're doing know. and what we're talking about, this, this is, book a, is, this is the story of entrepreneurship. Okay. Some of the terrifying most, one, the most successful entrepreneurs out there will tell you, dude, you know how many companies they failed with? You know how many products they failed with? Uh, look at Edison with a light bulb. What, what's his record? Like thousands of failures before he created yes. a light bulb, right? And, and, and he's a genius to this day because everything that's above, above my head and lighting this studio, I take for granted. The little light bulbs in my bike art behind me, I just take for granted. But that's the beauty of this is that, dude, it, whether it succeeds or fails, something, something good's going to come out of this process. So that's my wife said the exact same thing. And I, it's, it's hardwired in my head to just keep pushing ahead. Keep, you got to be successful. You got to do this. And if you're going to do something, this was my dad coming back here. And, um, I feel like you've channeled my dad in a couple of times throughout this interview. Hey, I'm not an overly religious dude, but I'm like, my dad will tell you this. He's gotten more religious as he's gotten older. And he's like, dude, Scott, he's like from time to time, he's got to thank the powers that be because you never know who's looking over your shoulder. Right. And who knows? It's true. Maybe your dad is going through me. I don't know. I don't know how that universe works, but Hey, whatever the point is. Scott, one of his favorite sayings was that whenever two people come together and have a conversation, a sale is born. It's a sale of ideas. Oftentimes, maybe it's a sale of merchandise or products. Maybe it's a sale of, um, uh, all, all different things basically. But when people come together and talk, a sale is made. Mm-hmm. And this philosophy on salesmanship, it's all about interpersonal relationships and it's not necessarily a tangible good. And you, you basically almost said the exact same thing earlier today. And now what you're saying here is, is I, I swear I could be talking to my dad. Is he, uh, I'm, that I'm glad we're getting through. <laughs> I, yeah, you and me both, man. I I really appreciate that. Yeah, I mean that, that that's the point of this. That's this is, it's like some people still don't understand why I have this podcast, and I told everybody, I'm like, guys, like I've been consuming podcast content for years now, and then eventually you reach a point, whether it is whether you're a YouTube person, a Facebook Live person, a tweeter a Instagram image poster, uh, author, a podcaster, whatever form of media you chose, you, if you are a higher level thinker like you and myself and other people, you eventually realize that, dude, I have a responsibility to put my brand out there. I don't need to make everybody happy. All I got to do is connect with the people that need my content. Like I don't, I don't care if I have 50,000 followers on Instagram I enjoy the 2,500 or wherever the hell I have on my live the fuel Instagram because I have people who actually message me back like direct message. Like that's how I judge like the DM people. Right. But you, they take what you're saying is valuable. Your advice is valuable to them and you're helping them. And that's, that's to me, 
there's so many questions of what, what our purpose is in life and what we're here for. And everybody's got different answers and especially the people that want to sell you uh, their gimmicky ideas. But my, my personal belief is that we're here to kind of help each other and guide each other on this journey. I don't know exactly what this journey is about. I don't know. I mean, I have my ideas and my beliefs that are based in, you know, some of my faith and religious beliefs, but I also believe some things that those in the church necessarily might not. But at the end of the day, I, I think we're here to help each other. We're here to, to love and accept each other. And virtually every major religion has said that to love one another is, is the ultimate goal. Well, I mean, again, your book. Different ways to do that. Your book came from you, your story, your heart, your frustrations, your lessons learned, the love you've acquired over the years from your family, your friends, your wife who goes to your old university and delivers your speech for you while you were working through your, you know, we'll call them issues, awesome. pardon the term, your transition, whatever. But the no, is, it's like, issues is what I use. <laughs> right? I, so, well, actually, I was a bit more profane at the time when I talked to her privately, but well, crazy. Yeah, I it just. The point is this. I talk about taking action on this show all the time because I've had my mentors and my coaches drill it into my head, right? Like, listen, I can sit here and just talk a big game or I could take action, right? The book was always here. I Eventually, I got to the point where I was like, dude, I have to start. Even if it's only a paragraph a day right now, I don't care. It's like I have to start building the reps and building the momentum. In your case, the stuff you've accomplished up to today, you never would have fathomed back when all this stuff started really kicking in in your life, right? Think about yeah, it. Absolutely. So you might not have everything that you want right now or you cure, if you were to call it a cure, right? But it's like, but look at how much better you are at bouncing back and still taking action when things feel right. I think that's something important that I, I just got out of today. I'm like, dude, you can keep beating yourself up all you want, but I'm like, dude, look what you've done. Like you've actually completed really multiple like freaking books, dude. The difference is here. Here's how I look at people. Mental fortitude. Here we go, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, here, here, here's the bomb dropper for you. Mental fortitude is developed through failure. And it's not about the failure. It's how you bounce back. And in Ben's situation here, dude, you have a mental, we'll call it condition or whatever, but you have these things that you unfortunately can't kick. But compared to where you were years ago to where you're at today, you have developed the, the mental fortitude that somebody who listens to this podcast or buys your book and maybe living through some of the same conditions that you're living through. And they're not going to see you as a mentor and be like, dude, he still has that shit, but look what he's done. He has learned how to bounce back and still take action. That's wow. I never really thought of it like that. And the irony is that's, I, I tell people to do what you just, what you just said. I, that I, I explain that my conditions aren't cured that and you, you see books and people that offer these quick fix cures. You know, I suffer with panic attacks and I beat them. And let me tell you how I beat them. So you can beat them too. You can beat all these mental conditions. You don't need medicine. They're trying to screw you. They're trying to take your money. The key is something that it, it took me a long time to figure out. It's not, it's not beating everything. It's not um, making yourself perfectly better. It's learning to live within the confines of your life and your conditions and finding some way to be productive and to make, to make your life mean something. Just 
everything you're going through, despite everything you've suffered through to, to have a purpose. And for me, I want to help people. I want to use my story to, to help people who are going through the same thing. I want to make, I want to make our life better for, for my family. I mean, part of that is, is helping myself because as I help myself and I, I get a little bit more comfortable doing things and I can open up a little bit more. I can be a better dad. I can be a better husband. I can be more accessible instead of hiding in my bedroom. And Dude, I got to share something with you. Awesome. As a former military man, I've had a lot of uh, uh, former military on here. And I don't know how much TV you've watched over the years, but have you ever heard of Noah Galloway? I haven't. And I've watched a lot of TV over the years, but what show though? Okay. Uh, you ever watched Dancing with the Stars with your wife? I haven't. Okay. One show we all went to. And, and then this kids. dude is a double amputee. Okay. Really? The whole left side of his body was blown off. Okay. Here, hold on. Because I had him on the show. Um, way See, back- there's a good example of somebody who has earned the right to have PTSD, if that makes any bizarre sense. There he is. That's that man Noah. has been through hell and he's back. This is who- Noah Galloway back PTSD on. Either. Dude, you know? I aired him. Two years ago, next month, September. This is he was episode seven, so he wrote a book. The book is called "Living with No Excuses." So he's been on the Ellen Show. He's been he 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 became famous or well known because he was running like uh, Tough Mutters. But you are know, you serious? Oh yeah, dude, as a double amputee. I'm not kidding. So this dude right here is his book, right here. Living with I'm no gonna excuses. Be purchasing that when we get done with this, I'm going on Amazon because and that's. I will tell you right now, bro. Like I'm getting chills, goosebumps, and hair standing up talking about this guy because his story is so powerful. Because in the book, he still tells you. And by the way, it's on Audible. I still I've listened to the book every like probably once or twice a year. Because I travel so much, I'll bring that book back up and I listen to the story again. That's why I love Audible. Um, but if you would please message message me after we're done with the name of the book because I tell you so. Proud father, retired army surgeon, star of Dancing with the Stars, and he was on that new show, American Grit, that aired last year as well. Um, but his that. tagline for this book is The Remarkable Rebirth of an American Soldier because he tells you in this book, dude, I'm still not, air quotes, perfect. The guy's been married and divorced multiple times. He's got kids. He's had, in his story... You know, he's had alcohol issues, all kinds of problems, you know, but through his growth of his brand, he's now taken on the social responsibility to realize that he's embodying something bigger than just him and his backstory now. Like, thanks to his famous exposure and him writing the book and being on TV, like, dude, people follow him. They they need his guidance as well. So it's it's a powerful. Sounds, like, sounds like a very impressive dude. And there is no perfect. Nobody's perfect. No. Nobody's. It's funny, celebrities in Hollywood and uh, the military sometimes are put out as these paragons of, of virtue and perfection, and they're not. Nobody is. There is no such thing as perfection. They're hiding it than others. Think about this way. Actually, I had a great mentor tell me this. He said, how boring would life be and this world be if perfection was true? And I was like, holy shit. You just blew my freaking mind. I was like, so now, now I have to catch, I try and catch myself now. Whenever I get hard on myself and I talk to my fiance and, and uh, I'm like, you know, I'm sorry I'm not perfect. 
And I was like, I catch myself because I'm like, wait a minute. That's me. That's my own that's my own mental shit from being a high performer. Like, stop. There's no such thing as perfection. Stop it. Because like this, my, my coach was like, dude, how boring would that be? Like, okay, great. What if you achieved everything you ever wanted and the world's perfect, wars end, and there's butterflies in, you know, I don't know. Corns <laughs> and butterflies right? everywhere. Like, how boring would life become? Because like, you're not, there's no, there's no struggle. There's no overcoming adversity. There's no life less, the powerful life lessons learned when shit hits the fan. Personal growth comes from adversity. So what people would just evolve, I would imagine, into tubs of goo sitting right. around being happy. So we which, need to be reminded of that. I, I never looked at it that way, but that's that's exactly right. That's awesome, actually. I never considered that. Here you go. Check this guy out. You got to follow this dude. There he is. That's his, that's his Instagram. <laughs> Get the hell out. Dude. I have my arm and my leg and he's doing so much more than me. See, this is, uh, 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 it's not about, it's not, a, it's not a competition, right? Everything in life isn't a competition. Dude, he wasn't always like that. He wasn't always like that. He was, he was where you were, dude. He was drinking. He had depression. He was, you know, woe was me after the trauma. And it's like, all right, come on, put up or shut up, bro. What am I going to yeah. do about this? Right? So yeah, I, I, I had to make sure I shared him with you today because... Yeah, I'm so glad you did. What an inspiration that guy that's is. That's what I want you to get out of this. Like, dude, like, I, I people have actually messaged me and saying that I inspire them. And, oh, my God, that made me feel so good. It means, like, I'm getting through to at least a couple of people. Thank I God. can totally see that. But I don't want to be your inspiration. I feel like from your history and your military background and everything else, like, it's people like this that I, I just... I, I literally sat here and I'm like, who can I connect him with? When I... When I had these shows, it became a thing six months ago. All of a sudden, because I have a good network now, and I'm going to try and get you on some other podcasts because I speak at podcast conferences now. I'll be speaking at one outside of Philly in a few weeks again. And it's like, dude, I know people now. It is my responsibility as a networker to get people connected. So if for some reason you never knew about Noah, and what if he becomes one of your virtual mentors? Like how amazing uh, can that awesome. be? I don't know. I don't know yet. You, ha you haven't read his book and you haven't followed his content, but – Maybe he works and maybe he doesn't, but at least now, you know, so. Yeah. He's, um, and, and I imagine that probably drives him nuts a little to hear you're an inspiration because he's just living his life. But at the same time, it, it, it humbles you to think, I, you know, in moments like this, when I'm not feeling the, the struggles as much, I, this is one of my biggest issues. And one of the things that my doctor and I talk about, I tend to, to, I can't think of the word minimize maybe is the best way to put it. Minimize what I do go through and what I struggle with. And I look at that picture and it's something Dr. Dr. Young, my doctor worked with a VA for 26 years before he went into private practice. So he's been great with me. And he, he's, he points out that there are different types of, of disabilities, but there's no prosthetic for the mind and that it's not a competition to see who has it the worst. It's a, it's, it's a, a situation where everybody's supposed to help each other to move on to the next level that we're not, we're not competing to see who's, who's, you know, in last place or who's in first place, everybody, if you're struggling or hurting, you're part of something. Former military, we're all part of a certain fraternity. Um, brothers and sisters in this world, like you and I friends, we're all part of this. 
And it's, it should never be the competition that, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else that, that we all make it. We need to work with each other and help each other. And that's a big part of what this book is about. It's not just telling my story because at the end of the day, who am I? I'm just a Ben Miller, you know, I'm just some guy, but it's, it's what the story represents of my experiences. I think people can relate to that. I think that people, whether they were or weren't in the military, struggle. People have panic disorder and depression and PTSD. PTSD can come from all different kinds of sources. And that's, that's, that's the biggest thing that I appreciate about yeah. your story is you're bringing more awareness to it. And there's already a lot of other people and I'm literally looking up people now because I'm going to be sending you links because I'm like, I have another guy. I don't know if he turned the podcast on yet, but he has an organization he started called. I, I, he actually gave me stickers and I don't have the stickers. I can't find them. SRVD. Um, I, I got the servicemen, uh, responders, veterans, and dependents, right? The families who are connected. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, so he's launching a podcast for you. <laughs> right. Oh, but he also says, but he gave me stickers because he's like, dude, he's like, Scott, he's like, you are a part of this. I'm like, why? He's like, you serve the public as a firefighter. I was like, yeah, but you guys are all military. He's like, no, it doesn't. No. He's like, that's not the yeah, point. You're, you're part of that. Yeah. So, and he's like, he's actually redefining the S and dual purposing the S now. It's not just service persons. Or, you know, he also wants it for supporters. He, because there's passionate people who may have never served, but they got your back. They got my back. They're like these, they're, 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 they fly the American flag all over their property. Like it's those types of people who care. And he wants to create a brand around that. So people know that, dude, we're all in that together and there is a huge support system. So I love that. Yeah. I figured you would. And I'll tell you something else. I mean, you, you didn't serve, but you served in something that I never could have done. If you think of it that way, I mean, the military is one thing and, and everybody in the military has their job, but look at what you've done. We talked before about standing in front of that giant wall of fire. Scott, when you told me about that, the hair on, on the back of my neck kind of, I thought, Oh, no way. <laughs> in my head, I could vision envision the whole thing. And, and, uh, I don't know how you did it. And you've lost friends. You've, you, you wore a different uniform, but you served this country and you served the people in this country in a different way. And it is no less important. Uh, that's a good point. I'll take the you have your own fraternity. Yeah. I mean, the, the fire, the fire community, the police community, you know, there is, Every 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 component does have their own fraternity or sorority, whatever you want to call it. Absolutely, that's a good point, right? Is that and I think that's a great reminder here is that people hearing this who are former military or service personnel, police, fire, or or again just supporters, uh, to take a page out of the SRVD uh, people, it's like guys like there are communities, there are support systems out there, there are books that are coming out or are already out that they're there to help you as well. And that's what I'm getting out of your book too, is it's not just telling your story is that you're trying to provide another tool that if yes. you know, a, a former military professional may come across that book and read this story and it's like, dude, I'm not alone. Or wow, I'm, I, I'm not going through what Ben has gone through and look what he's doing. He wrote a book about it. He took action back to my point earlier, right, bro? Like dude, you're going to yeah. good that days, but you still took action. You wrote a damn book. For God's sakes, let's get the message out there. I, that's awesome. I told that's you we're going to have a good conversation today. 
You were right. You were right. This is powerful. Yeah, I, I take it. I take this. I take this show very seriously. Um, I, I try to have fun. We're having fun, but it's like the point is you got to balance the fun with the power that comes from it. And again, if you could leave as a guest co-host with more positivity for your own life as well as our listeners, this is about the listeners. But that's the point. It's like I, I, I love it when I get off of my show, and I'm high as a kite. <laughs> like that's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling super positive right now. Actually, I, I have been. Things kind of stalled out with the the fun, the crowdfunding. I, it's something brand new for me, and it's there is a certain patience that you need. I, I have reached out to virtually everyone I could think of as far as spreading word of the campaign, and a lot of it is waiting. Like I spoke with a gentleman last night and I, I don't want to you know, mention who he is, but uh, he's somebody that could help in a big way. And he asked to see the book ahead of time. Just, you know, he wanted to make sure that what he was in, not endorsing, but from promoting and sharing with his it's legit. name, it's legit. something was back. Yeah. He could, he could stand behind that. There was nothing hidden in there that might come back and, you know, bite him in the ass. And I totally get that. So I sent him a copy, but like my wife said earlier tonight, she said he didn't just read it instantaneously, Ben. You have to give the man time and yeah. have to wait and you have to let things work. But there's a certain order and plan to things. And like we mentioned earlier, patience is such a huge thing. And as they say, patience is a virtue, but I don't, I haven't. I, sh I was going to say I don't have that virtue, but I haven't yet mastered that virtue. That's, that's one of my personal goals. Uh, again, just like everything else, it's just like going to the gym. I've been using this tagline for a little while is, as we mentioned earlier in the show, is it's about putting in the reps, dude. Like, that's yeah. the only way this gets easier or gets or gets more smooth is that you have to hit the speed bumps, the stumbling blocks, the, the, the walls, mentally and physically sometimes. That's why, like, I started enjoying, like, I never did an OCR race, like Spartan races and Tough Mudders until after firefighting. Like I, it just amplified awesome. my adrenaline junkie. Like I never, like I am a self-proclaimed adrenaline junkie, skydiving and everything else because it, because of this, because of the fire, that's why fires in my brand. It's in my logo. Like it was only two years of my life, but it was such a, I, I said then it was a transformative experience, but now fast forward, it's still transforming me. I just have to take that deep breath and slow down enough to recognize it and appreciate the process. Because, especially here in North America, man, made in the USA, we're pretty impatient people. <laughs> That's true. We want everything now, man. What? Now. And Amazon did not help, okay? Amazon no. Prime is amazing and did not help the process. <laughs> if it does not come in two days, I'm all kinds of angry. This is unacceptable. I, I, two days ago. I need my toilet paper now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen. We've, we've been on a while. I want to respect your evening. Uh, the sun is setting uh, as we're recording this, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, I'm watching your lighting change on your side. Yeah, I apologize. I didn't turn the light on in no, here. I, I, Five I, minutes ago, I was thinking, what am I going to do? Hey, it's okay. What do you know? It's okay. It's okay. I don't care. The point is that, let me, uh, by the way, real quick, last screen share. Is this your guy? Is he in Bethlehem? Yeah, that's him. That's Dr. Youngerman. Right. I recommend that man enough well that's why i wanted to share that right i'm so glad that you did he has helped me in ways that i can't i can't even begin to explain yeah so he's a clinical psychologist so and yes. that's an important clarification not all psychiatry is clinically focused okay 
So like, again, my regular sports, uh, nutrition, sorry, sports psychologist, regular co-host, she's on every month, Dr. Megan Cannon. She obviously tailors herself towards the athletics, uh, but she's hardcore in the mind, something else, but she's not a clinical psychologist. So, um, but yeah, I found, I was, I was searching for him while we were talking cause I wanted to make sure. I'm so glad you did that. He's uh yeah. Cause I was like, I guessed on the spelling Google, Google corrected it for me. <laughs> I spell it wrong almost all the time. He always says, Ben, it's, it's E-L, yeah. which I realize as I'm saying that to you, I should remember how to spell it, but I still don't. Eh, again, I mean. He's, he's great. He's, he's dealt with, and I'll bring things up and I'll always put a preface and he'll, he'll, he'll tell me, you know, stop. We are who we are. You don't have to preface anything. You don't have to. I, we've known each other for a little while. I'm familiar <laughs> with the story he says. And uh, he's helped me. I, I mean, I, I've grown and a lot of the successes that I've been able to achieve throughout the time that, that I've been with him, the, the second and the third book that's still in pre-production with the, with the publisher, that was all him, this book as well. That was, I mean, not all him, but with his support. Well, again, you reached out for help. You had, yeah. I needed you, it. You finally developed enough mental fortitude to get help. I think that's an p- important message we're taking away today as I turn screen sharing back on again for the Kickstarter is, and again, Ben, uh, my guest co-hosts, they close out the show, not to give you pressure, but it's like, you have such a powerful message. I know you're not going to have a problem leaving behind like a nice closing, probably mindset comment or whatever you want to say. Uh, Cause I tell people like, Hey, if they forget everything else we talked about today. Like what is a way you want to close a show out? So hang tight. You'll have that. But I, screen sharing again, the Kickstarter again, guys, dear Billy, Salvation in the Poconos. All of this will be in the blog post content. They'll have all the hyperlinks and everything else. Um, but I, I love the fact that, you, again, you had the cojones <laughs> to write multiple books, and especially this one. And again, those earlier books, whether you realize it or not, those were part of your mental fortitude. You had to take action. You had to put in the reps and write a couple of books until you finally got to the point where it's like, dude, it's time for this one. Right? This is the one I was waiting for. Yes. I mean, not, I don't mean to take anything away from my previous books. I, they've all been labors of love. And the first resort was, um, that was a, a bestseller for me. We're going into the third printing, but, um, yeah. And and your backing is cool. I mean, guys, like most Kickstarters, you throw five, 10 bucks in. That's cool. You actually, Oh, you actually give them something. You actually give them a digital copy for five bucks. Nice. Um, oh yeah. I didn't, I want people to get good value for what yeah. that one help me, but get value for it. Yeah. I mean, you, so you can go paperback for 15, you can go hard, hard cover for 25. I'm kind of old school that way. I like to get the hard covers. That's probably what I'm, I'm going to score. Um, you're going sign version as well. Uh, and then you got some higher level stuff, big personal thank you package and stuff like that. You got uh, a business thank you package. I think that was kind of creative. That's good. Um, thank you. And, that last one was something I thought was kind of cool. I'm not sure if anyone would go for it, but dude, I kind of hope you too. always got to throw the big hell Mary out there. And I would love to write a story for somebody like that, though. I I never I, thought about that. I don't think I've ever seen that. Like an author saying, hey, dude, I will write a personal story about you. So if they love your book that much, I'm like, wait a minute. What if I tell my story and I don't have the balls to write it, but Ben could write it for me? You just became a tool to help somebody awesome. get their story out that. there. Yeah, I would love that, Scott. You should edit that, actually. I would add that in there and say, listen, have you been struggling to get your story out there? Like, I would love to help you. I don't know, like ads, make it, you can, you can make edits. So sure. Yeah. Anyway. So listen, as we close the show out, what what do you think, man? I mean, you've already dropped so many bombs today. We've been having such a good time. I mean, is there an all encompassing message right now to 
people are hearing this besides the Kickstarter, right? This is big picture. Anything you want to leave behind? I'd say audience? big picture is I go back to uh, Max Erlman had this, this famous poem, Desiderata. My dad introduced it to me many years ago and I've introduced it to each of my children and I keep a copy here in my office. And um, my favorite line from that poem is with all its sham drudgery and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful, strive to be happy. And that's really what it's all about. And I hope I didn't just reverse those two last lines, but I mean, the, those were the lines and it is a beautiful world and you need to be cheerful and you need to strive to be happy. You can't ever quit and you can't ever give up on not just yourself, but the other people around you. Nice. See, Pushing forward. That's powerful, man. Be cheerful. I love that. Okay. It, it takes that essential step to keep moving forward. People beat each other up too much. I love the way you close this out. Uh, well, listen, hang tight. I want to give you a proper goodbye off the air. Ladies and gentlemen, one last screen share for the video feed. Remember, go to kickstarter.com, search for Dear Billy, Salvation in the Poconos. And obviously, he's referring to the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. They're gorgeous. I didn't just go skiing there. Um, but also, you can follow this on Twitter. He's got an online profile there, so you can actually go at Dear Billy, B-I-L-L-I-E-S, as in Sam for Salvation. Uh, and he also has a Facebook page. Again, all of these will be linked in the show notes, guys. So uh, don't worry about this. You're going to be able to find it. But again, get to the Kickstarter page. Take action. Uh, even if it's only 5 or $10, I've been spending years supporting uh, crowdfunding campaigns. I will also be pledging because I geek out. I mean, my own keychain. Thank you. My, my keychain was literally a Kickstarter campaign. I mean, I... Really? Oh, dude, I have so mm. much... I, I have so much crap that I have bought. Not crap, like good stuff. Good stuff. But if nobody would have stepped up as a, as a supporter and supported that cool keychain that I'm now obsessed by because people are like, dude, where'd you get that? I'm like, it was a Kickstarter. And now this company exists and they still sell the product online because people like me believed in it and literally helped them kickstart their future, their business. In your case, you're just trying to kickstart a book. I would like to get this book published and, and moving forward, have have some other books to that's following. There we go. So, you know, it's, that's my goal. There we go. Well, hang tight. Proper goodbye off the air. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for tuning in to another powerful Live the Fuel show. Remember, Dear Billy, Salvation in the Poconos. Search for it. Kickstarter. Support it. Take action, as we've talked multiple times about today. And remember, this is what we're all about, guys. We're clearly here to fuel your health, your business, your lifestyle. Please share this podcast episode, share the Kickstarter campaign, take action, help other people, especially if you know a service person, a, a former military professional who possibly might know somebody who's also going through some of this. This is the kind of stuff that we got to do. We got to come together as a, as a community, as mankind and help each other. And that's what I'm taking out of this right here, right now. And I'm honored to be able to bring this to you guys and have been on the show today because that's just one more thing we're doing to help this process move along. So again, thanks for tuning in to another powerful show, guys. And again, you too can live the fuel. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Hey there, Live the Fuel listeners. This is Scott Mulvaney, your chief intrepid officer, your podcast co-host and founder of Live the Fuel. Just want to take one to two minutes more of your time and give you a little extra value at the end of each of these episodes. Uh, first off, I wanted to make sure you guys got over to livethefuel.com and actually took advantage of my Super 7's resource guide. It's a free offer. And it just gives you uh, 21 different resources to fuel your own health, business, and or lifestyle success. Just some of the tools and applications that I've used and books that I've read uh, over the years to help me grow in a personal and a professional mindset. Now, while you're on the website, 
hop on over to the supported brands section. I created a new section on the website just to promote brands that I grow and have trusted in my personal and my professional life. I mean, there's, there's applications on there that I use in business-wise, but more importantly, healthy lifestyle-wise, there's companies that I've had founders on this show. Just a quick name drop them. You got Eat Pilly Nuts, you got Pure Vitamin Club, you got my connection with Isogenics since 2010, since I was wild and firefighting. Love to be able to help you get healthy and fit, lose weight or improve your athletic performance, or heck, in my case, I'm 40 now, age better. And uh, another quick little plug on there is Villa Capelli. Love their olive oil. And real quick note, Villa Capelli and Epilly Nuts, I have my own discount code. So go to lilyfield.com, click on the supporter brand section to get into the resources page, and you'll see my discount code. So enjoy that. Now, while you're on the website too, I've also now built another new tool for you guys, Fuel Library. So the Fuel Library is obviously, as it says, it's a library of the either digital audiobooks from Audible or physical books that I've either purchased, uh, borrowed, consumed, etc. Uh, heck, even actually half of these authors I've actually now had on the podcast. So feel free to go to Fuel Library. I've divided it into health, business, and lifestyle directed sections, and I've been building that out. I'm still looking to add a lot more content because there's tons of authors and amazing books out there. So again, go check that out as well. And then uh, two last things for you. One, Please, if you get a chance, get over to iTunes and give this show a review. It's going to help us grow the exposure and help other people out there in the world find Live the Fuel and also find these amazing co-hosts I bring on here to help them influence and hopefully positively change their health goals, their fitness goals, their business startup goals, their lifestyle, etc. So please, submit a review. I would love to be able to start reading your reviews on a future podcast. And the last thing I'm going to go in here with is my disclaimer. I'm throwing disclaimer in because honestly, I talk a lot about health on this show and business and obviously health and fitness impacts your lifestyle. So please, if you are suffering from a medical illness, a disease, etc., remember podcasts in general do not replace professional advice. So if you have concerns, please go obviously consult a professional. I do bring amazing professionals on this show, but in the end, this is free content that we're sharing over the podcast world. This does not replace obviously a one-on-one consultation, whether it be with a business consultant, a, uh, a lifestyle coach, etc., or obviously a health or medical doctor. So again, that's just my quick disclaimer. This is free content. Take it as such, but please see your professionals. Thanks for listening, gang. Talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com.